Hey, Alex. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey, Alex. Yes. Let's start a podcast. Oh. I used OBS at a company I worked for to do like product demos. Oh yeah. And we would actually like it would be my face, kind of my torso, uh-huh. in front of my computer software, and I would just run them through it. So it's like, hey, you know, this is the problem you were showing me. Here's what you can do. And I would like customize the video to the customer. That's smart. Uh, oh, that's cool. But yeah, so OBS has like penetrated into, it, it's not just for like video game streamers anymore. There's a no. lot of professionals using it. No, and that's actually one of the things that Discord sort of shot themselves in the foot because when they when they came out as like an alternative to Ventrilo, they, like if you notice when you load up, uh, Discord, they have all those like meme loading things like we're manning the lasers and I'm firing my laser. And I've heard stories of people who are like with like CFO calls and it's like, we need to use Skype. And and somebody's like, no, actually Discord's better. And then all the boomers download the client and they're like, what the fuck is this? What is this? What is this meme shit? That doesn't happen in my world a lot. I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah. It's like it's literally better. Working in software, it's all hacky. And hacking's yeah. fine. People yeah. walking around with no socks and with like a death metal t-shirt unkempt. Every company's a little different. Mm. Most of them ha- still have professional standards in how you dress and stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have clients ever. That's true. But like with the software, uh, yeah. I mean, Discord just, it doesn't bother anyone. If it works, it works. Legit. Took me like years to, uh, like there's about two or three years where I refused to not wear a tie. But you know this already. But only this year, I'm. All, I, I'm I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go t-shirt. Like, the perk is there in a classroom. I might as well take it because it was so uncomfortable to tuck in a shirt for all those times. Yeah. So I, I do think there's a power in wearing a uniform. I think the uniform has to be appropriate to the game that's being played. You know. Totally. Totally. Like, if you, hockey equipment is a great way to play hockey and a yes. terrible way to play basketball, you know? Yes. Yeah. True that. True that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so I, I think, yeah. So like, there's certain meetings. If you're going in a suit and tie, it is going to help you out. But I think sometimes with, especially young students, yeah. putting too much distance between yourself and them is, is maybe not the, the best approach. That is, yeah, that seems reasonable. You're talking about like somebody in a, like a power suit and then everybody else is like t-shirt and jeans. And it's like, well, dress for the, the job tie, you want. Right? And tie's a big yeah. thing. Tie's a big trigger to pull. Like, I think that a tie is like, you can you can be totally, that's just my, just might be me, but like, you can be totally business business casual. And then you slap the tie on. It's like, okay, we're, on a, we're in a new fucking galaxy. Because now you got the tie yeah, on. Yeah, everyone thinks you're black tie all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I'll wear a dress shirt to work, but I just leave the top button undone. I mean, the, the reason initially, the reason why I was so formal with the students was for the breast pockets, because I would like I was a, and this was bad. And, you get a T-shirt with a breast pocket. Yeah, but that's so weird, though, because you, you like you get it. You put it in the breast pocket, but then you start putting stuff in it and it starts to droop. And it's like this big tuberous bulge. Oh, now we want everything to be functional. Yo, bro, that was the I was like Mr. Fucking functional like that. All, all my supply teaching days, it was like. For everything that I carried, Jason, it was something that I I missed and I was like tearing my hair out. 
I'm like, I don't have any paper clips. Like this, oh, this te this teacher doesn't have where the fuck are her paper clips? Where the fuck are her staples? And and then after like a year and a half, I ended and I was like a walking office. I carried a a um a stapler, a mini stapler with me. I swear to you, like for about six months, I had a mini stapler in one of my cargo pockets. And uh, yeah, the kids were like, "What the, the hell?" Company, the company that I work for right now does not own a print. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Why? So, enjoy your stapler, I guess. I don't know. That's okay. I mean, I, printers. I've gone pretty big. You have a printer at home? Yeah. yeah. To me, this is like this is like a necessity. I don't know. Like, there's so many people of our generation where it's like we're, we're all digital. We don't need printers. But it's like I. Oh my only God. have it because I'm doing a master's and I hate reading academic stuff on a monitor. Thank you. Thank you. So I will print if the article is below 10 pages, I will print it and bite the bullet and just do the paper. Yep. If it's more than that, I still read it on the computer. Yep. I, but uh... I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't even like, it's not like enjoyable reading to read academic stuff somebody else is forcing down your throat to start with you know and then <laughs> yeah. doing it on a screen i find it exhausting yeah i'm i'm glad to hear that because i'm always want to just like even a book or even whatever like i forget what there was a did you read on kindle no i had i had a kindle but it broke um the directional buttons broke and then the only thing i could read was harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban and i didn't want to read that just wanted other books, but nah, it's it, something with the the page turning. Like obviously you get used to it, but you press the button and then there's a new page. Right. But it's like, I don't, it's, I, I keep getting, I, I, it fucks me up. Right. Like I'm at the bottom right of the Kindle and then you press a button and it's like burp, new page. And it's like, okay, but yeah, no, it, it's not the same. Like I'm not going to pretend that it is, but the amount of content I can read for the price is unbeatable. I'll, I'll say this. It's so cool to have the a completely rigid, like, rectangle. Like, instead of, like, a book where you're... Like, if, if you've ever read, like, a big book where you have to, like, open it up 90 degrees open or else you're going to fuck up the spine. Like, I always do that. Like, my, I'll never, like, open a book completely flat. But to have just, like, a rectangle See, that you're like, uh. Okay. We're going to get into my reading system then. Because I, ha I have, like, a series of things that I do. First off, let me say I do open the book all the way because I'm an adult you and savage. I can do that. Oh, you're oh, okay. So, so there's no no laws apply to you then, Jason. You're like, just you're you're why will. Why do I care if there's a crease in the spine? I read the book already. What am I trying <laughs> what, to like? Who are you, Jerry Seinfeld? You're gonna like be destroying? What are you, dog earer? You savage? I have a up. question. Yeah. Would you buy a used book? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you've already bought a book that somebody else touched. Like, what? What is the purpose of keeping the spine? Pristine? It's gonna fall. It's you'll, gonna you'll fall apart. Book. The leaves you'll will fall apart. With the pages all flayed out, right? Okay, that that is that doesn't matter because that's gonna be stored in my bookshelf in my hermetically sealed perfect bookshelf that's organized by author or by subject. But what I'm saying here is, if you're if you're opening a book completely 180 degrees, you are a savage because you're gonna you're gonna make that book fall apart. In like, I understand the hedonistic pleasure of the moment, <laughs> and I understand that the present is a gift that we only get to open once. Okay, Zhuangzi. Uh, um, at least you're not one of those people that does like the reflex angle, 180 degree, you know what I'm talking about? Like you, you bend the first part of the book all the way around. So it's like a reverse hamburger 
and you're just like look and there's paper there's pages on both sides you know what i'm talking about right yeah uh no i don't do that that's for I don't monsters open the book inside out but you just what the hell are you doing there's levels to the barbarism there's that, a level uh, yeah so you know what i do i just okay. I, for every okay. page i read i just tear it out and then crumple it up and throw it away that's how oh i read my, my God. books did you ever see the movie why i think it's called wild with reese witherspoon is that uh no Is okay that, so yeah it's based on a real person who hiked the i think it's called the pacific crest trail Whoa. it's all the way from california to bc oh i know that and, trail oh that's crazy and so she, I, she was hiking and okay. had these books she stops at a cabin or general a rest store, stop right? stops at a store and the guy goes oh yeah you're doing the trail your your bag looks too heavy let's take a look and he starts yeah. going through her stuff Oh, uh. and he goes oh how much of this book have you read and she's she goes oh i'm on page 100 and whatever and he rips out every page before that and he goes <laughs> this is how you read now if you want to get to the end of this trail and she's like horrified wow okay that's well i mean if you're hiking a hundred thousand kilometers or whatever it is i can understand that yeah even a day hike i mean you can't be too careful there's there's a whole there's a cold culture to like hiking. I would say if you're walking Central Park, you want to keep your weight down. Just rip pages out. There, yeah, absolutely. Just crumple it up so, and uh, becomes the nature. But tell me about your I, reading strategies here. My my preference for reading is um is still paid like on the page physical yep. copy physical book for nonfiction. Mm -hmm. It is the most enjoy like it's a, the easiest to remember stuff from. I don't know why, mm. but that's that seems to be true for me. Yep. However, I read fiction almost exclusively on Kindle at this point. Really? Because, yeah, it was just costing me so much money to to own every book. Oh yeah. And then most fiction I don't read a second time. Sometimes I do. Yeah. But you can't. People always say sell your books to the used bookstore. I'm not Alex who. You know, you sit there reading your book carefully with <laughs> with like a binocular so that you can see into the pages where they bend. That's why I have That's all those rubber gloves. I'm I, I was hoarding rubber gloves before COVID-19 because I just would yeah. never touch my books. And you're probably not using them in public because you want to save them for your books. That's what the bubble that is for. That's what the bubble is for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Please continue. I don't read that way. So I can't yeah. never sell these books. I end up just donating them. Uh -huh. And then... Uh, yeah, I was just spending so much money. So Kindle for fiction. Okay. I read every night before I go to bed. And That's so smart. I also now supplement with audiobooks, which I think are inferior mm. in terms of both the time that they take and the amount of memorization that you can do. Mm. However, I cannot read a book while I'm driving my car, and that's why I have audiobooks. Now, do you read... Okay, so this might not apply for audiobooks because there's, you know, the cadence of the author and that sort of relates to you get, you know, involved in the book, so you want to hear that guy's voice. Uh, do you do you do you listen at high speeds? Any kind of auditory material? No. no. For podcasts, I've in the same way that people get acclimated to like high percentage cacao dark chocolate. I'm very proud of myself that I recently tricked my brain into finally thinking that 90% cacao is actually sweet. Like I was like, oh, it doesn't taste like chalk anymore. But I've been slowly cranking up the speed of the podcasts I listen to. And I only do this for like backlogs. Like if, if it's yeah. an episode a week thing, I'll do normally. But I finally got to two times speed and I can actually understand what they're saying. And I feel like this is how Alexander the Great would listen to podcasts where he's here today. I have a problem with 
podcasts as a medium. I like them. Ooh, okay. And I think you should listen to them. Mm-hmm. My problem is that so many people have given up on reading books and like mm. given up on, or it, okay. When you do it that fast, a podcast is like sometimes 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 15 minutes of thought and they're acting like they're experts on a subject. And yeah, yeah. There, there's well, the problem with this and, and not to say that I don't do it as well, but yeah, a, a book that takes, I don't know, 600 pages to get through mm-hmm. is a structured thought in theory from beginning yeah. to end. And it just has so much more depth of fr- a deeper framework than, yes. than a podcast will, even if you listen to like three seasons of a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think here's my challenge to you out. Well, you're the wrong person to challenge this way. Um, challenge anybody who's listening well you can like take the challenge of during this pandemic yes try to read like a longer book at two hour a day chunks or something because yeah you might have the time yeah and uh and give that a try instead of podcast because the thing with the podcast is you ever read the book the shallows i think you have yeah how the internet changed our brain funny i read that was one of the last books i read on the kindle that was a great book (laughs) i wish i had a hard copy yeah. In, in the shallows, he is talking about the research on the br- our brains as we interact with certain media. And one of the things is that internet usage, things like podcasts, tweets, even blog yeah. articles, hyperlinks are so fast and hyperlinked that while we build a lot of creativity because we begin to connect different subjects, mm. we lack the depth of understanding and the depth the, the the depth of analysis that comes with reading longer tomes. Yeah. Uh, like maybe a philosophical text is a good example, but mm-hmm. any nonfiction text in hard copy, um, because when you do that, you create a different type of thinking. I maintain that then there is a usefulness in maintaining that type of thinking in the modern world. Reading is meditative. I, I mean, I can't think of anything that's more because the muscle that you're you're flexing in that capacity especially in the the world that you know you just this distraction filled world is not only are you trying to focus your mind on something but you're trying to there is no focus without distraction so you could compare that like you said to a podcast where it's like you're listening to a podcast but then again your your body's not involved in it so you're like you know walking around maybe you're doing chores maybe you're driving but in that way no, but you, but I, this happens to me often. It's like, I'm, my thoughts are kind of wandering when I'm listening to a podcast and that, cause I'm walking around, I'm, I'm thinking about stuff, I'm doing dishes, but with a book, um, one, you can't open another tab immediately and like, <laughs> you know, read another book yeah. while you're reading your book and the book's not going to like give you hyperlinks to other books and interesting articles. Um, and yeah, every, with every, and if you stop reading, you stop reading. It's not like a Netflix series or something, or the podcast is going to keep going even if you're not really involved. But yeah, I know with most people, you can obviously read while without being really like mentally involved. But then you get to a point where you're like, wait a minute, what the fuck's going on? Like, what, where, who am I? What am I? And you have to go back to that paragraph. So yeah, building that muscle is is um, yeah, people need to read more. Definitely, that kind of long form stuff is is like, have you ever gotten into like? That's a weird question, but like. What's like the most focus you've ever been? Could be a book or like, or otherwise. Cause I've got that. Mine relates to reading. Mine does not. Mm. 
when I used to play paintball, oh, yeah. I was training to like I I was a competitive paintball player, so I played yeah. on a team. I was trying out for a team the next year, mm-hmm. so I spent a summer. I spent a summer getting ready to become really, really good. Yeah. And it meant showing up to the field three times a week to drill, which like no one does in that sport. Mm. And uh, watching video all night long to get good. Like I would eat my dinner watching other people play paintball. Yo. At my computer so that I could study what they were doing so that I could practice what they were doing. And um, that was the most concentrated, like both in terms of a long-term effort and then in the moments i was hyper concentrated because i found that that sort of physical activity really lends itself to um, concentration yeah yeah let's well, get competitive it's like there's that hunting aspect too like you can like people are trying to shoot you with painful paint orbs right yeah you so. know the most dangerous game of all i'm gonna hunt man like that's yeah. what i used to do that's legit <laughs> Oh my! Did you ever, did you ever fuck with uh, uh, what was it power soft, power soft, soft gun? Airsoft. Airsoft. No. What's up? No, and I'll say something that airsoft guys are gonna hate me for. Oh, okay, lay it on me. It's just too wimpy. <laughs> like what? But but Jason, the airsoft people are all tactical and shit. They look like real guns. There's no hoppers. Yeah. Okay, so the the big thing, the reason that airsoft is like that, is because it's so cheap by comparison. So you oh. can buy like a case of airsoft shots are like 10,000 shots for what, what, 20 bucks or something. What is that plastic? What's that made of airsoft? Are um, they just like I pellets? I, I think it's plastic, but they've been working on like biodegradable type stuff. That's cool. That's neat. So I'm not sure. Uh, it's so cheap. And so they can spend $500 on a gun Yeah. and that's all they have to spend. So they make them look cool and then spend $600. Whereas oh. in paintball, you could spend the $600 and then you have to buy an air tank and then you have to buy the hopper for it. Yeah. And the shots are like so much more expensive each, mm. each shot, but an airsoft bullet or pellet, it, it doesn't hurt. Oh, so airsoft people. <laughs> I could have sworn that was like, I, I thought airsoft hurt more. I thought it was like a it, smaller, like that's why they had to wear all that. Are you telling me that the armor they all wear, like that's just because they want to look like Call of Duty people? Hold on. It, I, I should clarify. It doesn't mm. not hurt. Okay. It's just by comparison, it's a joke. I mean, I, I've been shot in the knuckle with a fucking paintball and that shit felt like there was a, I, I got hit with a hammer. Like that was very painful. Getting slapped on your ass can sting, right? Yeah. Getting slapped in your face stings a lot more, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. And then if someone's wearing like a plastic glove, it's gonna hurt a lot more again. Yeah, I, there's enough. levels of pain. Uh, <laughs> airsoft pellets are not fun. Like I wouldn't sit there and just like run around naked while you shot me over and over and over from point blank. That's a good weekend. I mean, it's its own kind of fun. That's right. That's. I think uh, I saw a Craigslist Craigslist ask for that. Yeah, yeah. And if it's what you're into, embrace cool. it. But. Uh, yeah, no, pain, paintballs hurt a lot more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, did, did, it's just too wimpy. And yeah. I do think, though, that if I was playing airsoft instead of paintball, there might be an argument to say that I'd still be playing because I could still afford it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And that so you, but it doesn't change the fact that you're wimpy, guys. Like, yeah. step up. 
you ever see that video where uh, it's like a, a, a first-person GoPro footage of this guy doing like an airsoft match, and he comes in to a uh, like a structure, wooden structure, and he starts shooting at like an automatic uh, speed, so the shots are coming out like, gah, 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 gah. and the guy's like, he's like, dude, there's no full auto in the building. Hey, there's no full auto in the building, and he's like, you know, chastising him because he's using the automatic shot, and the guy's like, that's not full auto. This is, Gah! it just shoots out this like 800 RPM stream of plastic, and the guy's like. Oh, all right, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, okay. All right. <laughs> Just like uh, shit. I never saw that one. That's kind of cool. Mm. I, I saw all kinds of crazy stuff. I I played for five years, I think. Mm. Pretty much two or three times a week. Whoa. Okay. So you I've got to a, a level. You got to a Zen level of paint. Yeah. And there's guys who played way longer, obviously, and have yeah, seen yeah. way more crazy things. Um, the We used to when you get to a certain level of good and you get to know the field owners, field owners are not allowed to, so they have rules, right? And they uh-huh. can only enforce them so far before it starts to hurt their business. So okay, oh, they'll have gun owners come in who are not very good yeah. and kind of like abuse the other players, but in kind of oh. subtle ways. Oh boy. And it's hard for them boy. to enforce it because they'll just start kicking people out and there's like, you start a whole fight. So what right. they would do is they would let us know who was sort of playing naughty, so to speak. Oh, my God. And we would go talk to them as players like, hey, uh, I don't know if you know, you kind of like you shot that nine year old a bunch of times. <laughs> oh, the- so back, back the hell off. And yeah. they would be like, we're not doing anything, bro. And then it was just like carte blanche. The refs are not mm-hmm. going to watch me do what I'm about to do kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we went and ran down. There was this group of teenagers, yeah. and there was about four of them, and they would not stop overshooting these little kids. What, now, what does that mean? Was, what What is overshooting? Like, okay, so if I shoot you once, you're dead. You're out of the game. What do I What do I do if you shoot me? Do I Do I do like a times you out symbol with my hand? And walk away. Okay, so my hands are up. I'm like, okay, I'm dead. Yeah, you You say I'm out. I'm out. I'm out, and you walk away. Okay. And they would shoot him again, or they would, oh. you know, as a as a player who plays a lot, you often see that you shot somebody. It's not always the case, but yep. you often see it. And you, hmm. you know, in a tournament, have at her, do whatever you want to do. Yeah. But when you're playing with a bunch of young kids on a Saturday morning, <laughs> if you shoot the kid, stop shooting and give him a chance to get out of there. Yeah. Because you don't you have do. to win right now. Yeah. And yeah. even so, you're probably going to win because he's a freaking 10 year old. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. This guy or this group of four kids, yeah. Uh, they were do they were being shitheads. Okay. And they had their own guns and they were shooting too fast at these guys. Uh-oh. And the refs had warned them to the extent that they can. Yeah. But it was basically coming to the point where everyone was, these kids were going to stop playing. Right. And the, the kids that they were being shot saying, at were yeah, like, I'm so, fucking out. Okay. Me and my buddy took these nine-year-olds aside and we said, hey, we'll join your team. We're going to take care of it. Don't worry. Oh, my God. And we talked to these teenagers and they weren't getting the, the program. Yeah. Uh, so my buddy bunkers them down. I go running out beside. I end up like 30 feet away from them right beside them. Yeah. So there's no cover at all. And we just stand up and start shooting and they start screaming, we're out. And we start shooting one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> One, two, and they're like, we're out. I'm one, two, three. <laughs> and afterwards, they're like, what the hell? You shot me. I said I was out. And we were like, oh, I guess I didn't hear you. 
justice justice paid cool. like, that was fun as a early 20 year old to be yeah. the the enforcer the paladin <laughs> of paintball yeah i mean as now that i'm getting older it's kind of like that was a little bit controversial but well yeah i mean i could i could assume this like you know do you see do you ever see the same thing in like jujitsu where it's like oh this guy oh, is like God. a big meathead and he's tr- twisting people's arms off what, what's what's the lowest belt the green belt white white belt so it's like oh this so, guy's like fucking up white belts i'm gonna like show him what's up that happens all the time Ooh, oh my all God. the time uh if if somebody is okay it's very common that you roll with somebody who's much better or much worse than you okay oh really it's common yeah and it's oh. common for the better person to win as well like that's as, yeah, as you do if you want to get better right you, you play with somebody who can like destroy you and you survive well, i mean and, i'm just i'm spitballing here but yeah and and you anyway so you interact of all these different levels yeah. and of course winning means hurting like it, <laughs> it is reality yeah, and yeah. sometimes people get hurt and it's an accident okay but then there are certain scenarios that come up that are sort of teachable moments and then get taught with a level of violence. Uh, <laughs> well, you mean you get good association, right? Strong emotions, yeah. make memories. <laughs> One of them is really strong guys mm. will over muscle certain positions and you can really badly hurt somebody. Now, when you over muscle, does that mean like you, the guy has like a technical, it's like, okay, well I have your arm around me. Therefore you can't move your arm out of here because like that's what the hold is but the other guy's like so strong he can just like push back on a technical no one really cares about that okay you you don't need to get enforced on that but what there's two scenarios maybe imagine like an arm bar is a type of move where you're trying to hyperextend the person's elbow ew that's what you're trying to do (laughs) that hurts so you do it really really slowly that so that they have a chance oh. to say, "Yeah, you win." It's starting to hurt, and it's like, "Oh my god, I can't get out of here. I am right. in too much pain to like do something with my feet." So it's like, "Okay, you win," kind of thing, yeah. And sometimes people still get hurt. It's a risk. Mm. However, some people don't give you the chance to tap out, and they just rip your arm. That oh, really hurts. Yeah. The other thing is that some people will not use technique; they'll just slam people around. Right, Ugh. for lack of a better word. They're okay. Just using their muscle to like shove you down, hurt you, crank your neck in a bad direction, right. whatever. Right. And a lot of time, much better people at the gym will calm them down by beating the brakes off of them a couple times. <laughs> oh. And you'll hear it sometimes where they're like, uh, hey, you want to roll? And the guy's like, Aren't you a purple belt? And they're like, Yeah, I wasn't really asking. <laughs> oh my god. Whoa. That's oh, rare. that's oh, okay. Yeah, man, that's intimidating. I did that once. Uh, I mean, you were there. Um, yeah, but the guy that I rolled with was obviously like way better than me because I had zero experience. Mm-hmm. But I forget we didn't get to the point. I think I remember I had to leave before we what whatever you rolling is like the freestyle, right? It's like when you roll with somebody. Yeah. Okay, so I just did drills, but it's clear I could feel the dude. He was just able to like, okay, so you just go like this, and he was like, and just like rolled around his limbs, and I'm like, oh god, and he's like, do you feel that? I'm like, "Mm, yeah, I feel that, and he's like, that's your shoulder, and the bone's touching this bone. I'm like, yeah, I know, but uh, God, you learn a lot about leverage, that's for sure. It's, I mean, everybody, who I forget who said it. Maybe it might have been Tupac, but it's like everybody's got a point in their life where like 
usually around the late teens, like young men where it's like, if I really tried, I could be the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Like if, you know, I'm 17 right now. If I just trained for like eight years, I could be the strongest motherfucker. And that stuff goes away very quickly if you have exposure to martial arts. Cause I'm looking, I was looking around at these people and they look like normal people like a, a tax accountant dudes. And then it's like, and I'm like, Oh, Hey, like I, and I'm again, like I, you know, we're both tall dudes. So I'm like, this guy's like, I got like 80 pounds on this dude. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot. And he's like, all right, so just go like this. And then within about 30 seconds, I'm like, ow, 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 ow. The, the worst is when someone who is like tiny and kind of overweight yeah. and a little bit balding is just like, wow, you're getting really good. It was much harder to kick your ass that time. <laughs> Man, like appearances. I'm going to go on a side tangent here because like appearances. Can, okay. Appearances can be deceiving. But man, I didn't like more every year that I live on this planet. It's becoming more evident. And speaking of like middle-aged balding people with like seeming superpowers. I've been, uh, you know, I've been absorbing a lot of like tenor sax uh, playing footage right because uh, i'm trying to get more into the saxophone and you know most people myself included you have this idea of like what a musician looks like it's like especially a sax player it's like oh you know cool and suave and like relaxed and you know with snappy clothes and they just look like you know like they look like excellence just like ease and 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 uh you know machismo there's a sax player named michael brecker who is one of the most prolific sax players of all time he's like a god of saxophone he's like a machine and you look at him in these jazz festivals and he literally looks like an accountant like he's dressed like crap it was the mid 90s so he's got like that poofy seinfeld shirt on he's like super balding with like the the jean-luc picard power donut and he's like hey okay nice. we're gonna play some music and then he gets the horn in his mouth and he becomes a god but it's like you you look at you look at him walking down the street and it's like yeah it's just some like he doesn't look like him anybody he's just like a completely normal dude and then it's like oh right you could kick my ass in the world of music and then the, or you the kick guy my ass in martial won, arts the guy who won UFC 1 uh -huh. won the championship he hoist gracie he right out, hoist gracie mm -hmm. he walks out you can see the video and you're just like, oh, is that every father I've ever met walking in in pajamas? Yeah. What is that all about? And the guy he fought against was Ken Shamrock in his prime, who you might know is the WWF wrestler Shamrock. Yep. And the guy looks like what you would draw Hercules looking like if Hercules' face had been smashed in a bunch of times. <laughs> and so like every little muscle that a textbook has ever told you existed is just fucking Grey's Anatomy exploded in the steroid infested skin of Ken Shamrock. <laughs> and then this dad in pajamas is just manhandling him like nothing you've ever seen. And the world of martial arts at that time, I wasn't a part of it, but I've yeah. been told by some of the older generation, they're all like, we were looking at this fight. Like, this is a lie. This is totally fake. And oh, so they went to wow. jujitsu and they started doing jujitsu. And a lot of guys were like Taekwondo champions, karate uh -huh. champions, uh, you know, you name it. They yeah. did jujitsu and went, oh my God, we've been lied to for like 13, 14, sometimes more years. 
I thought I was badass, and I can't even handle a fight. We we you were we trained him. Uh, we trained him wrongly on purpose as a joke. You know who I wish won that UFC championship? Champion one, and I'm not a huge UFC guy. You the know, sumo guy? Nope. The guy with the one boxing glove. The one boxing <laughs> glove guy. If that, if in another timeline, in another world, that one boxing glove guy fucking beat the shit out of Hoist Gracie, we would see like Joe Rogan and it would all be dudes with one boxing glove walking around <laughs> being like, this is the cut bleeding edge of martial arts. Uh, that style of boxing, like stand-up Western boxing, yeah, is the strongest individual punch by measurement. Man. So when they measure punch styles on, um, they, they do it on like a dummy with a pad that measures how how much force is involved. Right. Boxing is the most powerful punching. So a lot of people still use that style, yeah. incorporated with other stuff. But why the one glove though? What did he want to do with that because glove? What you're witnessing in in UFC one is kind of hard to understand in today's context. Mm. But what that was, was the wild west of martial <laughs> arts. For thousands of years, martial arts existed in siloed disciplines. Oh yeah. With Kung mysticism Fu. surrounding them. Oh. We didn't know what happens if this guy fights this guy, but everyone thought they were the best. So like karate yeah. guys all said, karate is the best. We protected karate from outside yeah. influence. Tai Taekwondo Chi. was the best. We can, you know, uh, Kung Fu is the best we've protected from outside influence. Yeah. Well, cool. But what happens when you guys actually fight? Yeah. And there's a lot of like, well, I can't fight them because I would kill them. Oh, because God. I can't hold back my power in a fight. Yeah. And, you know, all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. So UFC won. What happened was all these guys showed up and they didn't even know how to make rules for this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the guy's like do i wear gloves or no gloves and they're like uh how do you feel comfortable and he's like well kind of both <laughs> so he wore oh, one glove and he said uh, i heard an interview of his and he was saying the rationale he goes i, I needed to be able to grab people like i knew grappling was a possibility mm, right i'm so used to fighting in gloves i didn't know if i could find range without it so i needed oh. at least one hand ready to go and you see some of the guys, like there's a wrestler in shoes. There's a sumo <laughs> wrestler. Oh, the sumo my wrestler like stands up in the sumo stance and this yeah. kickboxer just kicks him right in the face. I remember that. See, I, I know that shot and the dude's so ready to like sumo it up. And it's like, oops, here's my foot bone. It's so absurd because there's this like 500 pound man. He gets kicked in the face. You can see his tooth go flying out into the crowd. <laughs> and then he just starts crying and yelling at the ref. Like, what happened? What happened? Oh, what happened my. is your fight style is a joke. <laughs> just keep your hands really far apart. Well, I mean, the, yeah, I, I don't know if you could if you could say sumo is like fighting, but it's, well, but, it's uh, entertaining. I, you could make that argument about karate as well, that karate is not fighting. It's it's a style yeah. of competition. Have you heard of, and I hope I get his name right, Master Dante? No. You heard of this guy? So there is this really great video, and I think it's by uh, a YouTuber named Eyepatch Wolf, or um, anyway, maybe I'll, I'll put, I could put this in, in the audio notes. But anyway, if you've ever seen like the whole idea of like the, okay, for instance, Cobra Kai, right? Uh, 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 karate Master, what's that movie called? Karate Kid. Karate Kid, Cobra Kai. That whole, like, 
aesthetic of like the evil karate master and that like you know couched in mysticism came from this fucker named master dante who was basically a total quack um really horrible dude because he had a lot of like you know abusive stuff going on with his dojo but he basically put his ads in a bunch of silver age comic books in like throughout the 70s and 80s and it was like i am master dante i'm the master of like this completely evil destructive poisonous style called like the poison palm or whatever and he just like gave birth to quackery martial arts in the west in general like he was like i was trained and and it it, it, it comes to the fact where he wasn't trained at all, and it was just his, like, mental fantasies, his tulpas created to avoid, like, an abusive home life, where he just, like, came up with his own fantasy bullshit, and then just started to get people to believe it, and he was also a psychic, so... I can see with, like, you know, the UFC having all these different styles and be like, oh, shit, our shit was a joke. That was, like, the height of, of quackery. It's hard if you don't fight outside your style to understand the limits of your style. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They used to do it in Japan after the fall of, like after their feudal system when uh -huh. they had samurai, but they weren't needed in battle anymore. I exactly yeah. how that history works, but hmm. they had the, the wandering samurai. I think they were called Ronin at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they used to go from school to school and challenge each other. And that culture developed into like a really thriving martial arts culture because mm -hmm. one master would teach all his students his technique, but yeah. they would go out and they would seek out these other masters and learn from them as well. Yeah. And there was a lot of cross pollination. There was a lot of them dueling to the death and stuff too. Yeah. I'm not saying take everything. Legit. But, uh, it was kind of interesting. Okay. I have an interesting question though. If okay. You, so let's, let's, I feel like we've, this is a little bit shallow. Yeah. How, so how would we take this and go deeper? Maybe mm. if you're taking something like, you know, learning to read, speed read, whatever, yes. or learning martial arts or even paintball or yes. something that you can't do in the confines of your home. Yes. Right now. Mm -hmm. Is it doable? What should we do? Yes. How do we get ready? Okay. What do you think? Okay. So I've got a couple sources that I can draw in from because the first, the first thing that I want to preface this with is depth beats breadth of course be knowledgeable on a variety of subjects of course have a wide uh you know uh, uh pool of general knowledge but i think personally jason and i think you can attest to this is going deep into one or one uh skill or modality will teach you more than sort of dabbling with nine or ten different things so for instance you went in paintball and you went in hard and i think from the way so from the conversations i've had with you over the years that taught you a lot of stuff that maybe doing maybe four months of paintball and then learning to ride a unicycle and doing the trombone might not have so if we're in a situation where we're quarantined and we can't leave how do we how do we practice the depth in our in that craft and i it's it's related to me uh intimately because i have been getting noise complaints <laughs> from my saxophone, uh, which is very unfortunate. So like I got, I got a letter a few months ago on my door. I live in an apartment, got a, a letter on my door saying, please stop playing your saxophone so much. It's like, okay. And I bought a mute and all this stuff. And, and, uh, without, you know, long story short, um, I had to severely restrict my saxophone. I can't just play all day. I can't play it okay, 11 at on. night. I'm gonna stop. Yeah. 
Saxophone is something we can do in the confines of our house. What about trying what? to learn a okay. skill? All right, all right, all right. Okay, so here, here's, here's how I'm tying this in. So let's say, for instance, I can't physically play. Let's say I can't even pick it up. What you can do is you can use your imagination and you can use your theater of the mind. Now, you might think this is crazy, but bear with me here. Um, guy who wrote, uh, what's his name? He wrote The Art of Learning. Josh Waitskin. Josh Waitskin. Josh Waitskin and Brain That Changes Itself guy Norman Doidge and a myriad of other authors. And the science is there that if you want, for instance, if you're playing basketball and you're imagining free throws, your skill will go up comparably as if you were already having free throws. Maxwell. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to cut in. Oh, yeah. True but false. Okay. Is, is what you're saying is true but false. Mm. Uh, because simply imagining things going well is not the same as learning if you don't have a basis, like a depth of knowledge from which to imagine. So, for example, mm-hmm. in the case of three throws, if I just imagine three throwing over and over and over, yeah, um, I don't know how to free throw right now. Ooh, oh, fair so, enough. Okay, so you're talking about from zero. Like, you want to acquire a skill, not necessarily hone it. Well, I'm just going to clarify your point. I mean, yeah. I either one is fine. But yeah. so what I think is mm-hmm. a little bit more actionable in what you're saying. Yeah. Right now, from the confines of my own home, I could study tape on basketball. I could watch videos mm. on how to free, free throw. I keep saying three throw. Three throw. It's all good. You can tell sports have not been on the table for a little while. <laughs> uh, but you can study videos. You can watch tutorials. And you can start to imagine yourself in those situations. So yep. I do think the imagination part and visualization is part of practice. Yes. But you have to understand that there has to be an input initially. Yes. And in the paintball instance, I did a lot of visualization and there are only so many plays that you can practice because I needed other players to do all the practice. And Mm. so sort of complex 10 man movements that other people didn't want to participate in were impossible. Interesting. And frankly, who would want to set up nine people just to get me good at something? Fair enough. You'd have to pay them, right? (laughs) No, I would visualize that. You watch the tape over and over. And I guess my recommendation for something that was physical like that, and Mm. and you can think about this maybe with the saxophone as well, that first you look at the basics that people are describing. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in paintball, it was here's where his gun is aiming. Here's where he's running to. Yes. Those are two pretty high level things. Mm -hmm. But as I got better and better, I could start to visualize where I would run into problems. So in the case of running from one spot to the other, it's like, wait, isn't, isn't that piece of cover in the way of my leg? And, and then I would be studying individual foot positions and where he was digging his toe into the ground. Now, is this, case, are you, are you, stu- this is while you're studying this, are you on the field or were you at home? No, I'm in my bedroom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Watching on, on the screen. So learning a free throw, first you get all the basic stuff, but mm-hmm. then start to visualize, okay, his elbow is turned here. His yes. wrist is facing that way. Which direction are his feet going? If he's yep. left-handed, if he's right-handed, does that change his stance? Yep. And yep. I think in that way, you can take your imagination and use it as the basis of a practice 
that you you can't physically enact right now. I, th- I, th- I appreciate that. And I think to build off of that and to sort of get a through line between what bo- we both have said is I think we can both agree that getting our home scenario as close to the real life input as possible is a big benefit, whether that be, as you said, video and that radical self-questioning. I was reminded constantly of what uh, when you're talking about um, Jocko Willink and his book, uh, Extreme Ownership. Because he basically, and he and him, and also uh, complete psycho cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, all talks about that sort of theater of the mind, and not necessarily like. And you're right, I, I I do need to clarify that because if someone were to, as you described, like shoot free throws, hey, I got it right, um, uh, without really like knowing or seeing it, it's like yeah, you're kind of you're deluding yourself, right? You're 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 visualizing, but it's not really has any connection to reality. But what Jocko was saying is, um, he, this is like a military SEAL guy. He did, uh, he he fought in Operation Iraqi Freedom in Ramadi, but he was saying that in his book uh, that before he saw any action, that's not really anything that you can completely emulate. Like you can't really like have live fire demonstrations with hundreds of people in like a war torn city as a you know a drill. Um, but he was yeah. saying like he would he would look at war footage and uh, battle footage and also just footage of crises. Like I think he was like even looking at like nine eleven response footage or just like footage where people are like at maximum stress level. And he sure. would just think to himself, he'd be like, okay, well, what would I do in that situation? Like, what is this person doing? Why are they doing that? And he would sort of just sit and and use his brain to sort of like run out all of the disaster things going wrong scenarios and just the different avenues he would take. And I think that would be can, uh, beneficial. You can end up automating your own thinking in a sense too, that we started by talking about learning a skill, but you yeah. can also learn the decisions of a skill. Oh yeah. So you, you look to, uh, if you want to watch game footage of a sport, you can watch for the setup. Uh, what's a good example? Like say basketball. You know, so-and-so does really good slam dunks Yeah. from, 15 feet out like he'll run in slam dunk yeah watch what allows him to enter into the the sequence yeah yeah because you'll start to notice that certain players have certain ways of having the entrance to that sequence in the first place yeah so how does Sidney crosby and hockey get a breakaway it's not a fluke it happens the same way over and over and over um Mm -hmm. in fighting like why was George St. Pierre so good at taking people down back in the early 2000s? Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. it turns out he had this incredible karate stance and could close distance really fast. Mm. So he would see a certain opening. And if you study tape, you can watch for what that opening is that every time the other fighter opens his arms or, or stands up a little bit or something like that, all yeah. of a sudden he's shooting in. Yeah. So you can start to dissect that stuff from home right now. Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm reminded of uh, to, to to pull what I know as well. Um, like I said earlier, uh, I, I'm I'm trying to listen to as much tenor sax as I can when I'm walking or, or walking around, and the video too is extremely beneficial because when I'm listening to audio, you can't really see people's finger position on the pearl keys and basically what they're doing with their horn, and when when you look at really really high level like jazz improvisational saxophone which is like technically some of the hardest music to play if you're improvising on like giant steps or or songs with a lot of crazy key changes 
these people don't really do a lot of like performing to an audience, if that makes sense. Like okay. y- y- compare that to like, y- like Eurovision or something where a guy's playing like three, a three key progression or a three note progression in like a rock song. And they're fucking stepping to the right and stepping to the left. And they're like thrusting their hips. Like, you know, that sax guy, right? Okay. Well, maybe not. I'm no, dead. But oh, he doesn't know. Okay. Cool. All right. Anyway, um, you look at like Michael Brecker, for instance, um, he did this incredible solo in uh, 1988 uh, from A Night in Tunisia, and his body doesn't move. Like, it, you listen to the audio, and you would think he was doing backflips because of the vibrato and just the power that's coming out. But you look at him, and he's just, you know, he's, he's got like a kind of wide stance. He's looking at the floor, and he's just doing it. And concentrating, it's yeah. all concentration because he he isn't use he doesn't need to move his body. It's all that's all wasted effort. And Charlie Parker as well. He, he was in the post war post World War II like bebop. He was one of the fathers of bebop along with Dizzy Gillespie. But and he played alto. But he again he didn't move when he performed. He was just he was looking at the ground and it was all the keys. And then when I when I when I started studying that footage and looking at their hand position. I noticed that it's like my hands and fingers would be flying all over the place when I was playing scales. And I just, yeah, I just realized that I had to move my finger basically essentially like a centimeter, like here to like a centimeter down. It's like, that's all I needed to do. So that was, and I wouldn't have been able to get that if I didn't actually have that input of the footage to teach me. That makes sense. Okay. You got me thinking now, Mm. switch the script. Okay. So there's a, we just talked a little bit about what do you do to start a skill that you can't do in your home? And we yeah. maybe drifted a little bit. Yeah. What would you do right now for a skill that you can practice in your home, but maybe can't perform in your home or like, mm. you know, so if you're a musician, you can't get on stage, but there's yes. a lot you can do in your home. So what, what, what do you think, what are you doing right now to be good at the stuff that you need to be good at that maybe doesn't seem as meaningful knowing that you can't leave home? I think the mindset's important chiefly is, is keeping that sort of slight edge mentality of, of a little bit every day or just baby steps, right? Um, what's easy to do is easy not to do. So for instance, meditation, like I'm not getting up every morning and meditating an hour a day at dawn, but I am meditating for like two minutes. If I could just, if I can get on the, if I can get on the couch for uh, the cushion for two minutes, that's good. But again, that's not a performance thing. Um, getting okay hold on i'm Mm -hmm. I'm gonna interject yeah i think kind of what you're saying what i'm hearing from what you're saying yeah is related to what we're talking about with the goal setting stuff yes to start systematizing your your success for that when this pandemic is over if you have a nice scaffold yes on which to start interlaying new goals 100 that is a very productive use of a pandemic Yep. And I'll, I'll maybe give an example. So I think Alex is probably doing a lot of practice with your saxophone, right? So you're sitting at yep. home, you're doing scales, yep. you're yep. harassing your neighbors with yeah. your riffing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you, you wrote a theme song for a podcast recently. Oh yeah, that's and true. And so on and so on. Uh, with working out, I got mm. totally derailed by the beginning of this pandemic. Yeah. I literally joined a gym that does fitness classes only. I went to one class. I was all amped up, jazzed, ready to go. Loved the direction that I was taking my body. And the gym is closed now. One 
freaking class. <laughs> you got your man money However, back, I hope. Well, it's on pause now. Like uh, everything's on pause. Yeah, true. They that. took my money. <laughs> yeah. Can you? They're do? not charging me anymore. Uh, however, mm. I can sit at home and I can start building a daily habit of doing a few reps by myself when I feel so inclined. Yes. And yes. the trick is that I said I said a mistake there. I said when I feel so inclined. The actual habit is to do a few reps when I don't feel so inclined. Oh, so crucial. And and what does that do to interject to that is it builds your, it builds your anyway muscle. I'm going to do it anyway. Like, cause that's that, I mean, that derails me a ton when I'm like, oh, I could, I could, I'm going to do, you know, my Arabic flashcards and it's so easy and I programmed it on my phone, but it's still like, eh, I'll watch more YouTube, whatever. But it's like, that's, you know, it's, you do it anyway. And then eventually that eventually basically the habit will, you know, at least for me, it just carries me through, uh, the, you know, resistance. Yeah. And I I guess recognizing that the structure is going to be different at home than it is outside of the home. Yeah. What's really cool is that you have an opportunity to explore, uh, within a, within a confined space. So Mm -hmm. in the case of the workout, Yep. I don't have fancy equipment. I have two kettlebells. Yeah. So it's just interesting so far to see like how do I get stronger without uh a TRX band hanging from a ceiling and without a yeah, rowing battle machine. ropes and yeah. Yeah. Infrared sauna. <laughs> What's fascinating is it turns out getting stronger is just about moving under resistance yep. and we can do it with freaking soup cans if we want to. Yep. You could you could just squat uh, you could do an air squat that lasts 90 seconds. Could be 90 seconds up, 90 seconds down. I guarantee that you're going to be crying if you actually like go through with that. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's that's what oh, I. Okay. Well, all right. No, I mean, I, I was processing that too, and uh, I wanted to. I wanted to throw throw something else at you. Like, okay, yeah. you you go with Toastmasters. I belong to a fraternity that's similar to that, and uh, nobody can meet. Toastmasters can meet, can't meet, nobody can meet. So there is a performance element with Toastmasters and there's a performance element with my fraternity. So what I was doing uh, was basically, um, and this sort of ties into the whole getting the input as as true to form as possible and sort of using your mind and and using your imagination. But I was um, actually with my eyes closed just basically visualizing the entire room that our fraternity meets in and all the cues that would have to happen, what I would have to say and the orders of business. And, and if there was an issue, how I would respond to that. And it came right. to the point where, when that actually, when the rubber hit the road, this was before COVID-19, but when the rubber hit the road, I was like, I was like, you were talking about Jason. It was all automated. It was yep. like, I didn't have to think about it and I didn't have to worry like what was going to happen if X, Y, Z happened. Cause I had already in advance sort of, uh, um, went through the catastrophe of it in my mind. And it's like, okay, well, if this catastrophe happens, I'm going to do this. And if this guy you know, says about this issue, I'm going to say this. And then by the time it happened, I didn't have to use any of that mental bandwidth to create those pathways. I was just already there. So that's um, like, and I, I can't think of a better like app applicability than right now when we literally can't meet, but I don't want to sit on the sidelines and, you know, dissipate and have all those skills sort of, go away i want to keep sharp and i want to make sure that i'm so you're like you know, practicing the practice without the audience exactly exactly and but i'm imagine i'm trying to imagine the audience there 
Like I'm trying to imagine it, yeah. like the people looking and, and who the individual characters are. And like, I know it sound, sounds kind of woo woo, but like it's, it's um, there's some science behind that. There's some psychology behind that. And the more true to form you can get that input, uh, the better, like, it's just like your paintball, right? Like you're imagining the 10 person movement and, and foot, foot placement. And then you, that's gonna, that's gonna assist you when, when reality comes. Yeah. And I guess maybe the, uh, Toastmasters is a public speaking club and yeah, we can't meet in person right now. Mm. However, the reality of the world is that there's always other ways to do things. And yep. we're in the process of shifting now to digital meeting and yes. it's going to be weird. It's going to be odd. Um, some of our routines are going to have to change. Like you can't just clap every time someone says their speech. <laughs> clap you into the can't. mic. Yeah, for real. So we're going to have to figure out how to navigate that. Uh, we're going to have a lot of people struggle to get on. Yeah. However, the idea that we can't meet is maybe the wrong attitude. Mm. We can meet. We cannot we cannot meet the same way. We cannot yes. enact the same rituals yes. in the same way. We have to adapt. And this is this is just a moment where in a lot of the things that you do, maybe the through line is you're going to have to find new ways of doing what you already did yeah. for the next unclear, uncertain amount of time. I think that's a great assignment for anybody listening to that and to really put put a, you know, to circle that is you are going to have to change your rituals. The rituals aren't going to go away because you need them. There's going to be habits whether you want it or not. Like if you, Jason, if you're, um, if you just decided to have all of your personal habits, just stop doing it. You stopped working out. You stopped. We you stopped with this podcast. You're gonna. You would find new habits to replace them. They just wouldn't be habits that would benefit you. Like so. And for me as well, like I'm trying to keep as busy as I can. I know there's, we're starting the e-learning. So like my job is starting up in a real capacity starting on Monday, but um, I know me and I know if I just sat around all day and I didn't do any of the things that I, that I was, you know, consciously planning to do in these, these habits, the new habit would just be like, I'd be getting drunk every day, you know? And I, I think a real advantage of the work that I do is that there was not a question of us working from home. It was just a question of how we were going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, like my work has not stopped. We yes. just kept going. And I think yeah. that mentality made it really easy for me outside of work to say, well, everything else is going to have to keep going. There is, there's, an, there's an interruption. There's no doubt. Yeah. I didn't start immediately doing Toastmasters because yep. I needed yep. time to deal with the other stuff in my life. Yeah. Uh, I'm the president of the club. So, you know, it's going to start nice. up again when I start it kind of thing. Yeah, for real. Uh, however, that attitude was really easy for me to adopt. So my workouts was something that within a week of work from home, I was like, okay, enough is enough. Yeah. It's time to figure out how that one's going to get into my home life because Absolutely. the jube jubes are disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's not yeah absolutely and anyway it's, it was easy for me to look for opportunities i don't know i think a lot of people were kind of shocked by the idea of of a digital world because yeah. it's virtual is not something that we're native to no and that's fine 
I'm not asking you to be native to it, but I am suggesting that right now, the people who are going to have the most success with keeping a positive attitude, with keeping their business, with keeping maybe uh, ahead of the curve in terms of staying financially solvent, those people are going to be the people who right away, right now, start looking around and saying, how am I going to do this in a world where I don't leave my home? Yeah. What is it going to take? Yeah. What investment do I have to make? Is my laptop not serving me? Do I need a new monitor? Are these things that I didn't care about a week ago, but I need to start caring about right now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do I need to not order in sushi this week so that I can buy a <laughs> ring light that will sit on my desk that I ordered from Amazon so that people can see me in a virtual meeting so that I can go on teaching guitar? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what your thing is, but the people who are having success right now, and I, I look around my friend group and I see it, are the people who have have tried something different from yes. what they did a month ago. I, it's not going to be easy, I'm not suggesting. No. But I do think that the attempt right now is the most forgiving time that you will ever have in your life for going virtual. People understand why the background of your webcam is messy. They understand why there's a child on your lap. Yes. They understand why you're, you know, not super tanned and your hair is a little unkempt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These things are so forgivable right now because we're all going through them. So just take that as a huge opportunity to experiment and experiment without the need to be judged. I think that's a fantastic summation of what we've talked about so far with skill learning, skill acquisition, and um, making sure that our lives, making sure that we remind ourselves that our lives are under our control. Like the rituals that we do, the rituals we enact, and the things that we have stability with requires us to adapt, but at the end of the day, this isn't a resource issue. It's a resourcefulness issue. Like it's the cool. fact that we've, we've got this together. Is there anything we want to, we want to leave us with any, uh, our listeners here, any assignments, any, any words of wisdom from the great Jay? Just start trying to find the ways that you're going to be yourself virtually. That's all I have to say, whether it's public or private, I don't really care. Try a few things in the next few days. Excellent. Excellent. Go out there or actually, no, don't go out there. Stay in here. Be kind to yourselves <laughs> and we will see y'all next time.